Hello, today I'm back at it discussing the human side of AI. Now, our collective thoughts around artificial intelligence and the technology behind it all has really morphed over the years. And surprisingly, the term artificial intelligence has been around for quite some time. In 1956, John McCarthy and Marvin Minsky hosted the Dartmouth Summer Research Project on Artificial Intelligence, or DSRPAI. They brought together some top researchers from various fields for an open-ended discussion on artificial intelligence. And actually, the term was coined at that very event by John McCarthy. Now, since then, the technology of AI has drastically changed and is now moved into the realm of the cloud, edge computing, and more. And our use of AI is sometimes taken for granted. Think about our phones and other smart devices. But the challenge now is how can we surface the human side of this technology in spite of what many think AI really does? To unravel all of this, I'm joined by Donald Farmer. Donald is a mentor to executives and organizations on unlocking the potential of AI and BI, which can really give them a competitive advantage. He is the principal at Treehive Strategy and the director of collaborative research for Nobody Studios. So what are your thoughts about AI? Practical? Sci-fi? Well, stay tuned to see if your thoughts will change. Well, hello, Donald. Thank you so much for uh, joining me today on the show. And uh, it's a pleasure to be chatting with you. And uh, uh, maybe to kick things off, if you don't mind, if uh, you could please give us a brief introduction of who you are and kind of uh, a little bit about Treehive and uh, the uh, maybe some about that those awesome looking pictures you got on the site there <laughs> of the treehouse. <laughs> yeah, well, thanks very much. Yeah, so uh, yeah. Um, thanks, Aaron. It's delight. It's just great to be here. And uh, yeah, how do I introduce myself? Well, I'm an independent advisor, strategy mm -hmm. advisor, working with investors and with um, software vendors and with enterprises all over the world. I mean, really mm -hmm. quite globally. Um, and I advise them on data and analytics strategy, and I advise also on um, innovation and uh, design strategy. And I'm particularly mm -hmm. focused on those strategic aspects. Um, my business is called Treehive because we have a treehive. We have a really beautiful treehouse that was built by Pete Nelson of, um, you know, um, Treehouse Masters. Masters, okay, yeah. yeah. I watched and, that show, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I think we were on season two or three, I think, our, our, our treehive. Oh, I'll have to go yeah. check it out, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's kind of weird being a, on reality TV, I could tell. Yeah. Um, and it is very, very beautiful. It's, it's a wonderful, um, my wife's an artist and she kind of came up with the basic idea and Steve made it happen and uh, Pete, Pete made it happen. And, yeah. and we love it. And, uh, you know, it's my thinking space and, and, I'll, and thinking is a really mm. important part of my job. So mm -hmm. I spend a lot of time there kind of, you know, ruminating on, on, on things. It's a place I can go away to mm -hmm. um, and feel that I'm a, away from the rest of the world, but actually I'm, you know, yeah, I, I heard uh, a great phrase that the best kind of thinking is is to think about thinking. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. I mean, you know, yeah. I know we're overusing the word think, but it's used in the different contexts in that phrase. So it's it's uh, it is something important that we need to to focus on about uh, considering the fast pace of where we're uh, living in now and where we're headed. And uh, yeah. 
So uh, a lot of thinking isn't. I mean, a lot of thinking isn't actually thinking. We just kind of go mm -hmm. through, I wouldn't say we go through the motions, but we go through a list of kind of predetermined cliches that we have in our mind. We string them mm -hmm. in a particular order and we think that we've thought about something. Mm -hmm. um, and very rarely do we actually come up with new ideas and new thoughts. And this is something that's actually a really important part of my work is helping people think in new ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's uh, fascinating because... Uh, I, I'm going to dive into a little bit more about that approach of strategic thinking around certain areas. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, uh, but also noticed uh, one other thing about you. It looks like you're part of the uh, Nobody Studios. So, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah uh, Nobody are fascinating. This is, this is, um, this is a, a very new venture, but it's, it's a, what they call a venture studio. And the idea of a venture studio is rather than traditional kind of venture capital, where, mm. you know, some entrepreneurs put all their eggs in one basket and they, they try to build, you know, this, this vision and they pull in funding, sometimes quite a lot of funding, actually. But you end up with these, these people who are fantastic um, entrepreneurs. I've, I've met so many great entrepreneurs who have got great technical ideas, great insights into what apps and what technologies would make a difference in society. And they end up spending most of their time raising capital, worrying about finance, doing the books, um, mm -hmm. and doing all this stuff that has nothing to do with their idea that is needed to bring their idea mm -hmm. to life. And rather than a traditional venture kind of um, capital kind of uh, fund, which would fund that process, we're actually trying to break that process and build mm -hmm. it up anew by creating a studio where all these capabilities can actually be shared between a number of businesses, which means the entrepreneurs can focus on what they're great at doing and what they're passionate about. And we can bring more and more of these concepts to market mm. more and more quickly. That's that's the basic. Mm. I like that it, it concept because it's kind of shaking up the traditional um you know, investment strategy that's been around for so long, like you just outlined, it's been, right. they, they get so caught up in the, the business about the business that they've lost their way on their initial vision and what they're trying to bring to life. So it's, uh, that's, yeah. I, we I actually love want that. To shake up the investment side of it as well mm. by actually using crowdsourcing, which is possible mm -hmm. now under some of the new SEC rules that you can now crowdfund. Um, the, you can crowdfund the, the startups as part of that. So then many more people can be part of that process. So I, I'm very excited by it. I think it's a, a, a radically new idea and I'm, I'm, all, mm -hmm. I'm all for radically new ideas. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, well, you got to, you got to, nowadays that's, that's tough to kind of stand out in the crowd and be different, but that, I think that's what's needed is different. Not, you know, uh, a thing we, we like to highlight around here on our acceleration economy discussions we have is that a lot of those people that are really shaking up things aren't creating something new. They've just redefined the category, uh, an area that's probably existed for a long, long time, but uh, they broke the mold on approaching it from a new angle or aspect instead of the just slapping on a different label on top of right. something that's old <laughs> and been done and, and cliche for so long. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and it's really that important up. to be able to do that, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's part. That's an exciting part of my work, helping people yeah. to to come up with these new ideas and to break those those this kind of existing patterns. Mm. I, I I was obviously doing some research, just getting prepped for this, and I came across a, uh, an article post you had on your blog. It was actually a couple of years ago. It was around algorithmic bias, mm. and uh, there was a, a quote in there that caught my eye, and it was. Uh, 
our challenge then is not so much to eliminate bias from algorithms, but to define our preferences clearly, clearly enough that they can be specified and advanced by project managers, designers, or data scientists, and then tested for QA teams. So what it's leading to is, is, is kind of the question I'd like to ask is, has anything changed since then from a couple of years ago as far as that goal is that challenge of not so much eliminating bias from the algorithms? Yeah, well, I think a couple of things have changed. Um, and, and one thing um, I was making a point in that article that I said that all algorithms mm -hmm. are biased. It's a matter of choosing which biases we want. And, and the truth is that, you know, this term bias, when we talk about bias and algorithms, it people use it with this overwhelmingly negative context that it, you know, bias is bad. Now, clearly, if you have an insurance algorithm and the insurance algorithm prefers good drivers to bad drivers, there's a bias there. It's biased against bad drivers. Mm -hmm. and, and my point was that's a form of bias, but it's a form of bias that we want in an insurance algorithm. Mm -hmm. Being biased against women or ethnic minorities is not mm -hmm. a form of bias that we want, so we need to be able to, to be accurate about it. Now, um, I have to admit, I've lost this battle to a certain extent, and I just have to roll with it and say, you know, people use bias to mean this overwhelmingly negative bias that we don't want. They don't think about the insurance algorithm choosing um, a good or bad driver as bias, but they do think about it, say, discriminating against minorities or women as bias. And so mm -hmm. the, the phrase, this is just kind of usage thing, the usage mm -hmm. is now, when we talk about bias, we mean bad bias. So yeah, the, kind of, yeah the connotation there is is morphed into something that is uniquely different and it and is. and approached in our in our current time. Uh, so so I, I totally get it. Yeah, yeah, I've lost that battle, so that's fine. Um, <laughs> but the the other one that's really interesting that happened that has happened in the last two years is that people have started to pay much more attention to how do you test algorithms. How do you test mm. artificial intelligence and machine learning? Uh, not just how you put it out there and, and it seems to mm. work, but how do we actually address these, these, these problems? And um, there's you know, frameworks that should be produced. The Singaporean government has a framework for AI, which is actually very mm. impressive um, about, about how you might address some of these things. And there's a, the awareness just now is, is certainly very, very high about these issues. I think sometimes the approach is um, well-intentioned, but, mm -hmm. but not very um, practical, which is, well, let's just make sure we have more diversity. And diversity mm -hmm. is an important component of this. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely true that having a diverse team is important. It's, it's important for reasons of, of, of just simple equity, um, mm -hmm. but it's also important because it brings so many different perspectives. But that doesn't necessarily solve the problem unless that diverse team can articulate the problem in a way that can then be tested for. Some of the right. some of the worst, most egregious examples of bias I've seen in companies that I've been working with have actually mm -hmm. been from quite diverse teams, but they weren't oh. able to uh, <laughs> articulate the problem in a way that it could be tested for. Got it. Okay. So, so has testing approaches needed to sh have they needed to shift since? It let me back up a bit because created. Never mind. Shift. Well, yeah, yeah. Because well, what I'm thinking of is is the fact that. You know, for for quite a while, you know, AI usage from uh, broad technical practical purposes against big data has been a struggle for many to think about in some sort of practical use. You know, how can I use it to uh, to a business advantage or streamline outcomes and things like that? But so it was leading into my my thought around, yeah, yeah, you're still developing the test, but it it makes me wonder, you know, 
what type of things are we testing for? I understand quality of data is, is needed. Bias has got to be tested, but is it is testing being skewed in some way towards uh, an intended outcome or is, is it being tested with sort of a, a broad uh, based test that uh, no matter the outcome, we can learn from that and then redefine our test? Well, so I'll give you a really good example of this from one of my my clients. I, I won't name mm-hmm. them because um, no, no, I guess fine. the example is slightly, <laughs> slightly, slightly sensitive. But um, one of the the women who worked on um, the um, the HR team there, um, her daughter is a single mother, and mm-hmm. and she's very aware as a result of that that single mothers in their particular business, which includes lots of shift work, uh, for example, mm-hmm. uh, need some special um, considerations they need to be we need to be more flexible in our shift management they may well have things which come up at the last moment and therefore need last minute shift changes things which are quite disruptive to that business mm-hmm. but if you're going to hire single mothers then you, you should be aware of that and um, but she became very aware that the temporary workers who were being hired by algorithm mostly actually had very few single mothers um, in in that uh, in that um, intake mm. in fact surprisingly few in fact disturbingly few there should not have been mm. so few and it, and she went back to the team and the the the, um, the team who were doing the automated hiring and say what's going on here you know and they said well nothing presumably because we've got none of this information we don't even include gender in our um mm-hmm. you know in our algorithm and we have no idea about um you know so we don't know any gender we certainly don't ask about children so we don't know mm-hmm. what's going on so when they did certain tests and, and and the tests that you do is now you now do holdout tests and you now start to, to, to compare samples what they discovered was that the characteristics that the algorithm was picking up were people who had very specific shift requirements and gaps mm. in their resume if there were gaps in your resume mm. and very okay. shift requirements then based on previous history your hiring might cause more disruption in the shifts than expected therefore we won't hire you but it turned out that this was actually a very good way of defining single mothers by proxy, people who right. have gaps and very specific shift requirements. And so they they were being taken out even though nobody was looking for them. Now, in this case, somebody noticed a problem, mm-hmm. fortunately, before it became public, went back and tested for it because now we had the problem defined. And mm. that's why I say it's so important to define what you want in order to be mm-hmm. able to test for it. Yeah, and I, I like that example is because it, it's it's a real world example. It's not some sort of you know pseudo example or fictionalized example, but it's it's a practical real world example that, uh, and like you said, they caught it early to be able to go back and and modify the testing of the data and the algorithms. So uh, I'm glad that that worked out, but that's not always the case. I'm sure there's right. there's examples where things get slipped through, and it's like this massive issue before, oh, wow, <laughs> we need to really adjust some things because there's, we're coming at, they're coming back with issues from different angles and perspectives that, again, they, you know, they took out a lot of things, but to try to be fair across the, the, the spectrum of data, like you said, yeah. they're taking out the gender or if they have children or some other characteristics, I'm sure. Well, you can so imagine really- that what that team did next then was to define a whole set of, of, of you know, 20, 30 things that mm. they should not be biased about. Um, mm. to use bias in that sense, went back right. to the algorithm and then tested it against 20 or 30 characteristics. And they did actually discover that they had some bias about ethnic minorities, um, which were actually more based on postcode than, than, than ethnicity. Because ah, okay. And yeah. then it turned out that people in, ethnic, in, in certain ethnic minorities 
were taking the bus rather than the train to the factory. And as a result, then mm. they were actually more likely to be late. Um, and then mm. therefore due to, due to transportation scheduling or of buses or exactly. trains or whatever. Yeah. So, wow. So yeah. Like that's that interesting. They found two mm-hmm. or three things. I mean, by the way, this is a great company and they, they took mm-hmm. it very seriously. Um, but they no, did find three really yeah. interesting inherent biases. Yeah. Uh, well, I, if you don't mind, I'd love to shift gears a bit here. Yeah. And uh, I noticed uh, back in, I think it was July, just a few weeks ago, you were on this uh, roundtable panel type discussion that was uh, called Exceeding Expectations of Today's Smart Customer. Mm. And it, it, it intrigued me because for so long, we've talked about how customers are becoming more and more self-educated before you know purchasing and or uh investing in a company or anything as far as uh, leveraging an app for whatever consumer purchase or some other goods that they're looking for. Um, So how can a company exceed those expectations and how they, are they delivering on those expectations or are there still some places where there's uncertainty of how can we do that? Or is that the expectations are constantly shifting? So it's just a, like a moving target. Well, you know, one of the, this, this also sort of comes down to a problem of definition is what are the expectations? Mm-hmm. What are the expectations that a customer has of you? And, and you can see how this has shifted, um, say in the last year or so, that we've mm-hmm. been, you know, the expectation of, of, of what a, a, is good service, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and people are, you know, very concerned about, I mean, a, a very interesting concern that people have today is, you know, obviously under we're in the pandemic conditions still. So people mm-hmm. are concerned about are you looking after your staff properly in the, in the pandemic? Something which would, simply wouldn't have factored into somebody's consideration before. But people are also concerned about things like, um, you know, your environmental impact. I, I know mm-hmm. several people, for example, who have stopped using certain shipping companies or stopped using certain suppliers because they don't like the environmental impact. Uh, mm-hmm. A consideration which would never have been, you know, uh, really considered before. People just wouldn't have taken taken notice of it, mm-hmm. and people are starting to. So, in that sense, expectations are changing. But then, even traditional expectation, ex, you know, changes uh, expectations might change, like you know, speed of service. The definition of mm-hmm. quality of service might change. Mm-hmm. So, companies have to do two things. They have to, first of all, you know, be really closely in touch with their customers about this, about these aspects. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there is probably, you know, that, that, that nothing you can do better as a business than be in touch with your customers, to listen to them, to be engaged with them in every aspect of their lives. And what I mean mm-hmm. by that is you need to understand them as people, not just as people who are, you know, have one point of contact with you, which is mm-hmm. buying a service from you. If all if all you think of them as is somebody who's buying, let's say, you know, photocopier paper or printer paper, mm-hmm. um, and you don't think of them as fully rounded human beings, then you might well miss the fact that they're really concerned that you, you know, you send a huge truck to deliver one packet of paper. And, and, and right. you'll that. Well, that that brings up a good point of kind of atta- uh, of connecting that back to that a great example you had about the. Uh, the AI and uh, the algorithms there uh, uh, with the single mothers and so forth is because a lot of companies, unfortunately, uh, it, it feels like they're detached from that human side, like you yes. mentioned, of the customer uh, as a person, as a human being uh, that's got these things that are impacting them sometimes out of their control uh, and or sometimes uh, being influenced in purchasing something. Um, 
So there's a lot of these shifting expectations that are small, but right. it's based on that human aspect of them, not what the perceived algorithm has of that person, which often makes it feel like <laughs> the company, like I said, companies detach. I've seen so many uh, examples where people have like uh, a simple example, unsubscribed from a, uh, a mailing list or right. uh, something. And then two days later, they'll get a, an email about, Hey, we got a new product or something. Well, I, I thought I am subscribed. Well, <laughs> in the fine print, sometimes it's, Hey, please give us, you know, 48 hours or something to get you removed from our list. And, and it always struck me as like, we're in this right. fast paced digital that that's a simple little thing in a database well, to uncheck the most bizarre example of this and and, and yeah. one which i guarantee every single person has has experienced is you buy something on amazon and immediately mm -hmm. amazon recommends you after you bought it something else an mm -hmm. alternative and what are they trying to do there they're trying to dissatisfy you with what you've already bought right oh, yeah I bought a camera i don't need to buy another camera why are you well, uh, yeah <laughs> Telling yeah. you they're better and better value than the one I just bought from you. you know, it's exactly. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> that is a great example. I've seen other people saying, I, I, I did some research. I'm looking it up. I found a great price and I bought this one thing. I don't need to buy, um, you know, like you said, 50 cameras. I, you know, this is a, a big investment for this really good camera I'm, I want to buy <laughs> versus uh, something that's Amazon, replenished, you know. The buyer's yeah. regret algorithm, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that speaks to, you know shifting that expectations uh of being built into those algorithms and yeah. uh so forth but uh so uh speaking of shifting things i did want to uh, shift a bit over to you, you talked about a lot of engagement you do with organizations around strategy uh for ai business intelligence and things like that but uh are more and more companies starting to strategically think about ai and bi or is it still sort of this uncertainty of I need to learn more about it before it can then strategically lever it. There are companies who are very strategic about AI because they're in businesses which they know are going to be disrupted uh, by AI. Mm. Um, okay. And so, you know, anybody who's in sort of high-end technology is, is, is certainly right. looking at AI strategically. There are, and, and there are some amazing companies doing this, you know, robotic surgery and things like that. Of mm, course, they're mm -hmm. deeply, deeply into AI. There's a lot of companies which are sort of kicking the tires of AI and using it um, around the business in small ways, you know, mm -hmm. experimenting. And then there's a lot of businesses who um, who don't think they're doing AI at all and, and are so far kind of ignoring it or waiting it to become, for it to become mainstream. Those latter businesses, and I mm -hmm. say they think they're not doing AI because Everybody is doing AI. Every right. single one of okay. us, everyone with a smartphone is using AI extensively. Anyone who watches mm -hmm. Netflix is using AI extensively. AI actually already permeates our lives. And one of the things that these companies who are thinking they're not doing AI are missing is the fact that there's so much AI that you can already leverage in your business if, mm. if, you, if you pay attention so to it. It's almost like they're still trying to grasp the a purposeful use of AI. Exactly. Like you mentioned, the AI has kind of permeated a lot of things and it's already permeated a lot of, um, you know, cloud solutions that we use. It's, it's baked into a lot of areas, but that purposeful use of AI for an intended um, project or an intended, uh, like we, the exa exa that exact example of the HR and the hiring process, you know, right, the intended yeah. algorithms for defining that process. And 
it may be different for uh, certain industries, obviously, because you, you're in your banking and uh, banking finance industries. You got your healthcare, manufacturing. They're going to look and have different use cases for AI and the intended needs and outcomes. So, uh, yeah. And have you seen uh, certain industries sort of not understanding that? purposeful use of AI or is because oh, of just yeah. regulations you know, or things, or is it just old school thinking of stuff? You know, the one that really drives me, man, and, 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 and I'm going to try not to go on a rant here, but, I, but I'm, um, <laughs> no. it's not an industry, it's education. Mm. Ed, mm. AI is, offers the most fantastic opportunities for education, being able to adjust learning to, to, to a student on a very, very personalized level, mm -hmm. while at the same time tracking that student on a, on a, on a standardized curriculum in ways mm -hmm. that, a, that a, um, a teacher and a lecturer cannot do. But actually, you know, every student has a different learning style and, and great teachers mm -hmm. adapt to that and great teachers inspire and great teachers, you know, kind of give a vision to a student that, that, that mm -hmm. the student can follow and apply to. But AI can really make an enormous mm. difference in education. And it's really not happening. There are countries, you know, Singapore, Israel, who are doing much better jobs with this because mm -hmm. the small countries can sometimes do that. Um, mm -hmm. but, but oh my goodness, education is crying out for artificial intelligence and it's not happening. And this is, you're talking all levels of education now. I'm oh, talking, you're talking, yeah, yeah. I'm yes, sure. all the way through. Yeah. To, oh, that's. I, I personally can relate to that because uh, my children, they all have different learning styles, different um, uh, personalities too, and obviously different wow. ages as well. But And they have their own strengths and weaknesses around certain subjects or um, the way they learn too. So I totally get that from a personal level. That's that's a much needed thing to, to really disrupt in a way with AI, not from a technical side of the of hey, we're rolling out computers to students and who gets what and we're using AI for scheduling things. Right. Yeah. This is that personable use of AI. Mm -hmm. Understanding, again, the person, the, the human. Yes. <laughs> it always we... comes back to this. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's easy to say the human element, but I, 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 mm -hmm. what I really mean by this is really deeply human. With all mm -hmm. our failings and faults and all our contradictions, we're very contradictory beings. Yeah. Um, we do, we're not, you know, automatons. We're not algorithmic. Mm -hmm. we, are, we are profoundly complex. And to meet people in that complexity is, is, is really, we, we have the means to do it now. That's the great thing. We have mm -hmm. the means through technology to reach out and deal with people as people in a way that ironically previously before tech we think of technology as getting in the way of these things but it's that's really right technology enables it in a way mm -hmm. that was never possible before yeah it's, I've, I've come across some phrases of of you know basically augmenting humans in other words with right. things you know either automation ai business intelligence you know you, you throw the acronym out there we could automate or uh, augment humans i'm sorry in a way that's uh, it's, could be uniquely personable to that person. Uh, and um, yeah, but can I just put that the other way around as well, though? Which okay. is that the real value will come when human beings augment the automation and intelligence. Mm. When we bring our human values and our mm -hmm. human insights and our human complexity to things which otherwise are automated. So rather than trying to automate us, bring mm -hmm. our unique capabilities, which cannot, can never be automated or replicated to right. the intelligence. So we are augmenting the technology, not the other way around. See what yeah, I, mean? I like that. I, I like that 
uh, mentality because uh, I've always heard that phrase of the augmenting the people, but I, in in fact that and that's something we we say a lot around here too. It's the people plus technology, and the right. word people's exactly. first. And and we have uh, under underneath our acceleration economy premise, we we talk about it's uh, um, <clears throat> enabled by the cloud, powered powered by AI, but it's most importantly it's uh, it's human optimized. Absolutely, it, you know they've got to be throughout permeate throughout all the uh, decisions, ideation, creativity is still what makes us human. <laughs> that's, it's profoundly human. And I, that's what I love about it. Well, Donald, you know what? It's been a pleasure chatting with you today, taking a totally different look uh, at technology and AI through a different lens. And uh, I love that we surfaced the, the human side of things here and um, the practical side of things that, that, often go unnoticed and and uh not implemented unfortunately but uh hopefully we can all strive to really reach that goal of surfacing the person at the end there and who they are so i really hope so Roddy, thank you so much donald it's been a pleasure thank you okay bye